Hi, La Jolla Community Church. We're so glad you're watching. Here are some services that are coming up. The first will be our Christmas Eve service held on December 24th at 4 p.m. We hope you'll come a little earlier so you can enjoy some cocoa and snacks. There will be Christmas music, a sermon, and our traditional candlelight time of worship at the end of service. If you can't attend that day, we also have a digital option that you can check out on ljcc.org anytime after four o'clock. You're still gonna hear that same great music and sermon, but we'd sure love to have you join us if you can possibly do it. And lastly, on December 26th, we'll be holding a digital service only, so there will be no church that day. Please join us online anytime after 9 a.m. where you'll hear more worship music and a sermon. We thank you so much and look forward to being with you as we celebrate Jesus, the reason for the season. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. And welcome to La Jolla Community Church. We're so happy to see you here today. We're going to get started with worship, so you're welcome to stand if you're able.
song to God. What I have to say to you will never be as important as what you have to say to me. You love me so much, you would not let me stay the same as I was. The years and years of hit and miss, a wave and a smile from a distance, 
then turn and walk away, every introduction acting the same way. I know where I'm going now, a restless heart was the best case. Many years walked by my eyes until I realized how much you are needed. You are my God and I love you. You have never walked away from me, you never walk away. You sit quietly on my heart, allowing me to make the decisions. The good ones show my love for you, the bad ones I'm forgiven. To think the creator of everything stood on earth as a human being, allowed himself to be sacrificed while kings and nobles slept. Famous people I do not know. I know God and I know Jesus. The goal, the race is pleasing you. Everything else is tabloid. You are my God and I love you. You have never walked away from me. You never walk away. Celebrate this day as every day, waking each morning with your birth in my heart, giving away all that you have given, a day to praise your name. I don't have the capacity to explain my love for you. No words have been created. I can't explain how much you mean to me. You are my God and your son is everything. With you, the thoughts have changed to love. Actions are not the same. Taking the 10,000 foot view, I'm a different kind of new. You are my God and I love you. You have never walked away from me. You never walk away. Thank you, God, I love you, amen. You may be seated at the Holy Community Church. Thank you so much for joining us on this wonderful Christmas morning. Thank you so much, Dan, for leading us in a wonderful, wonderful prayer this morning. We really appreciate that. Well, we thank you all for joining us here at La Jolla Community Church. You know, this Christmas season is fast upon us, and I hope everybody's hearts and minds are set and ready for this wonderful, wonderful time. I know I am. Last night, we had a fantastic moment. We had some wonderful people come up and celebrate with us. So if you would like to be a part of some of the wonderful things that are going on here at La Jolla Community Church, we would love to have you participate. And the first and most important way you can do that is taking this little bulletin you should have got on your way in if you did not receive one of those. On your way out, you can grab one of them. But the fun thing about these is the top half, it rips right off. And we would love, especially during this season, if you would take this and you would give it to somebody that you know. Give it to somebody that you care about. Give it to somebody that, is, that you know is longing for something this Christmas season. We've got something really fantastic and wonderful happening here at Christmas Eve, and we would love to have lots of people be a part of it and feel the love of Jesus. So if you know somebody in your neighborhood, maybe in your family, in your life, that could use a little extra love, please take this top half home and give it to somebody. Invite them to the wonderful, wonderful message that we've got going on here this Christmas season. And that bottom half, that is just for you. Our hope and our prayer is that while I do these announcements, you fill it out. So please take a moment. I will not be offended. This first side says, let us pray for you. This is our prayer card here at La Jolla Community Church. This is how we get you, uh, this is how we pray for you. My favorite thing that I get to do every single week is pray individually over every single prayer request that gets turned in. So if you've got something difficult going on in your life, you need a little extra love, a little extra support, please take a moment, fill that out so that we can get you covered in prayer and love on you this morning. On the other side is our Get Connected. Sorry, guys, back there. I went a little out of order this week. But the other side is our Get Connected card. It says Get Connected with us here at La Jolla Community Church. If you want to be a part of some of the wonderful events like we had last night or any of the other fun, fantastic ministries we've got going on at La Jolla Community Church, please take a moment, fill, us out, fill this out. Let us know what you would be interested in participating in so that we can get you plugged in and engaged here at church. 
Well, thank you again. Again, my name is Ryan Sylvia. I am the Youth Ministries Director here at La Jolla Community Church. And I just want to thank you all so much for joining us on your way out. We would love if you would just drop off that prayer card um, and we can get you prayed for this week. Well, I would love to invite Pastor Steve up to lead us in a prayer. Thank, or message, sorry. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Ryan. Oh, my gosh. We had the best event last night. Uh, it was just a magical evening. A couple hundred people out there. Connie and crew did a fantastic job. It was just, it was, it, you can't believe what they do to make over uh, that space. I mean, it was, you, you, can't, you just can't imagine it until you see it. Think, how did you do that? Fantastic. The only glitch, the only glitch in the entire evening was the donkey wouldn't get back into the trailer. So they had this donkey a uh, cute donkey, all donkeys are cute, you know, and every kid wanted to ride the donkey, you know, they wouldn't let him ride the donkey. But the donkey was so great for the couple hours of this whole evening, and, and wouldn't you know, uh, the donkey just wouldn't get in the trailer. Now, the, the event left, uh, the event ended at 7. The donkey left at 9. <laughs> they had to call the owner of the donkey the people who were wrangling it weren't the owners, so they had to call the owner. Which I guess the owner got on the phone with the donkey. I don't know how they did that. You know, <laughs> look, it's just this time. Just get back in the trailer, which then reminded me of years ago uh, caching water and supplies in Joshua Tree uh, with a friend. We, we were setting up for a, uh, a a trek for a bunch of students, a winter trek in Joshua Tree for a bunch of college students from Westmont, and so we have horses. And we have two mules, and we have them all loaded, and we're putting water. You know, there's no water in Joshua Tree, so we're putting water in all the distant parts of Joshua Tree. And, and you, know how, you know how mules are. Um, think of your most stubborn friend, and just half of that, that's a mule. No, uh, twice that is a mule. So this mule, uh, with all this gear, is standing there, um, and I need to move him to, to, to you know, uh, do what we were doing. So I just kind of nudge him. Now, I've been around horses. We used to have quarter horses and stuff. And so you just kind of nudge a horse and they move. And the mule wasn't moving, and the mule wasn't moving, and the mule wasn't moving. And then the mule looked at me, and he just leaned on me. But as he leaned on me, he put his hoof on my foot. It's like he's looking at me like, see? I'm like, ah! And then he, then, he, then he goes like this, I'll move, I'll move. So uh, our theme today is not mules, though they are fascinating. <laughs> it could make a whole hour of interesting stories. It's about commitment. It's about commitment. And just let me see at the outset, commitment is not the same as compliance. The dear donkey, the burro who is now on his way to being a burrito, I think, um, the dear donkey was compliant up to a point, but not, not committed. And they couldn't do anything. And they were, they were super kind and gentle with the donkey, but they just, they just uh, couldn't, couldn't motivate the donkey uh, to get in the in the trailer, the mule was compliant. Yeah, I'm here, you're treating me nicely, but I have a will of my own and I'll exercise it accordingly and let you know who's really, a bo who's really the boss here. Compliance is not the same as, as commitment. Um, commitment is a promise to do something and then doing it. Uh, commitment is a promise to do something and then doing it. Can you relate to that definition? That's my working definition. You can come up with your own, but it's probably gonna be something like that. It's, it's, it's saying, I will do something, and, and, and I will do it. Um, it's a big word, isn't it? Commitment is a very big word, uh, where a lot of us are afraid of commitment. Uh, we've been uh, 
wanting to do a, 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 a seminar on the fear of commitment, and we've been, we've been thinking about it for a few years, we just can't seem to land on a date, and so... Um, Oh, the guy was dragged into seeing a counselor with his fiancée. She was very angry that, that he was not willing to commit to an actual date. So the counselor says this to him. You have the classic signs of someone who can't make a commitment to marriage. Do you agree? And the man who was so offended said, can't say I do. That pretty much sums it up, wouldn't you say? Uh, or won't say I do. When Satan said, who cares about these fallen people? God said, I do. I care about them. Makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? It wasn't a compliant answer, if I have to. Uh, not them again. Look, I kicked them out of the garden. They're not my problem anymore. Oh, he said, I do. And so in Jesus' birth, God is fulfilling the promise he made to redeem all creation. His fallen creation. It's big. It's not just, uh, I'm going to go find Adam and Eve. It's that all people, all humankind, but you know what? It's all creation because all creation is affected by that fall. Everything is just a few bubbles off plumb, kind of like you and your family. Everybody's normal until you get to know them. And then you realize everybody's just a little off. And that's the, the irony of us wanting to find the perfect spouse. First of all, if, if you find the perfect spouse, they won't be interested but assuming and projecting that oh, this is the perfect spouse, then it takes a while, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes to figure out that we are not perfect, either of us. And this is going to be the perfect baby, this baby. And the baby ends up being a human being, baby, that is imperfect. And it's so it goes. <clears throat> but God is redeeming all creation. All creation needs to be saved, renewed, redeemed, reconciled to God, realigned with his purposes, and so Jesus is living and dying proof of God's commitment, God's commitment to save us. I want to read you a passage. I'm going to read some passages. None of them are Christmas passages. All of them support Advent. <laughs> All of them speak about Christmas. <clears throat> so this is out of John 1. Uh, John was the youngest of Jesus' disciples. Uh, later he writes a, a, history of the, a, a history of Jesus' ministry. We call those Gospels. Good news. And uh, we touched on the first verse of this last week. In the beginning, God created, you know, we, we tied it into Genesis. We, we, last week, we were talking about uh, God's uh, creativity. This series uh, leading us through Advent and into Christmas is that Jesus is the hope of the world. Well, how do we know? Well, first of all, his creativity. We talked about that last week. He created all things. All things created through him. Today, we're talking about his commitment. <clears throat> and... Um, here in John chapter 1, but, but verse 2, the second, just the second thought into that, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son. Again, echoes of what did the shepherds see out in the field? Oh, they saw the glory of God announcing uh, the birth of the Son. Who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John, a different one than the one writing, John the baptizer, testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Just try to get your head around that sentence. He who came after me has surpassed me because he came before me. It's like, 
Is this like one of those math problems, those hard word problems? You're, you know, you're on a train and the train's going this way. This is really a convoluted thought. Elegantly stated in this, in this brief sentence, something big that transcends time itself is happening here. Out of his fullness, we've all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. Again, a long, convoluted sentence saying a lot about commitment. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites. Uh, can I just stop for one second? Priests and Levites, uh, people get so confused on this. Priests and Levites are all part of the priestly uh, tribe, uh, the Levites. But the priests were the ones who delivered the goods, and the Levites were the ones who made all the logistics happen in the temple. It's kind of like in England, the difference between a solicitor and a barrister. They're both attorneys, they're both lawyers, but the solicitor does all the, the background work, and the barrister was the one who presents in court. <clears throat> and so they came to ask John, okay, who, who you are? Who are you? I mean, there's all these prophecies about who's going to come before the Messiah. Are you one of those guys? <clears throat> he did not fail to confess. John the Baptist told him right out. He confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. Then they asked him, well, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, no, I'm not. Are you the prophet? This is this prophet, not defined clearly from Isaiah, I think chapter 18, saying uh, there'll be this prophet. Well, who is he? And it's aligned with the Messiah somehow. And is it different than Elijah? Who, what's, what does this mean? Is it the same thing as the Messiah? So they're looking for this big, you know, um, kitchen sink kind of, a, are you the everything guy? <laughs> Who are you? He answered, no. Finally, he said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. We've got to have an answer. What do you say about yourself? Again, it's kind of like a reminder of Jesus in front of Pilate. Who are you? Why do these people want you crucified? Are you the, are you the king, the so-called king? And he says, I am, right? Uh, Jesus asked 307 questions. He answered three. What's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you give it yourself. Uh, he asked another question. I mean, he asked another question, then he answered a third question from Pilate. Who are you? I am who I am. I'm the king. So John says, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. I am the one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. That's my commitment. And I'm fulfilling it. So he's quoting Isaiah 40 here. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He's a whole category different than me. He's not just a better version of me, a more persuasive version of me. He's different than anyone. This all happened at Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Uh, so anybody reading this would have known exactly what he was talking about. So if you're in the Dead Sea before the 
just before the Jordan comes into the Dead Sea, you walk across the Jordan River, which is, you know, from me to Dan, basically, at some points. You, um, you're there in Bethany. The next day, though, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, and he's with, it doesn't say it here, but he's with Nathaniel and Philip, two of John the Baptist's uh, disciples. And then he sees Jesus walking toward him, and he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He defines Jesus' mission and at the same time defines Jesus' commitment. This is who he is, and this is what he's come to do. And he says, this is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Uh, Even I didn't recognize him, my own cousin. I myself did not know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And of course, that's at the point where the voice comes out of heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased to listen to him. And he says, I've seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Wow. So the Gospels, uh, John, in a slightly different way, uh, with a lot more detail than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, all these Gospels show us what Jesus did in fulfilling his commitment to save us. So when you read the Gospels, these, these histories of salvation, that's a great way of thinking about it. It's, it's written like a history. Bethany on the other side of the Jordan. It gives you lots of details. This person, that person, this is when it happened, this is where it happened. All four of them uh, align in, in a marvelous way. All four with a different agenda for telling a story. Uh, all of them uh, are telling it in a way that really tells us about why Jesus came and what he did. So they're histories of salvation. And really, they are the fullest expression of the Advent story. We have some details in Matthew and Luke about the, the beginning of this Advent, but they give us a larger context uh, and more detail for it. And so um, then we have to ask the question, um, all right, that's what he came to do. Well, well, why? Well, what's the truth about human nature and human life? We are all mortally wounded. Uh, we do things that are socially inappropriate. Uh, sometimes we do things just to make a point that we can do what we want to do. We can let people know. I can step on your foot. I can disrupt a room. I can unify a room. I can, you know, burn it down. I can build it up. You know, I can make the world a better place. I can make the world a really scary place, but um, I have power. The problem is the power we have is so self-destructive and so undermining of, of family and community and world collaboration, right? So this is our big dilemma. What is it? We have this wound that nothing we do can heal. Only God can heal that wound by taking on the wounds of the world himself. So what's the truth about human nature and human life? We are mortally wounded. We will not recover. It's not just a flesh wound. It's a mortal wound. So we all need forgiveness and atonement. I love that hymn, Long Lay the World and Sin and Error Pining. Uh, You'll hear Deneen sing this, O Holy Night, on Christmas Eve. By the way, do you know how you spell Aretha? D-A-N-E-E-N. That's how you spell Aretha. Oh, man, that little drummer boy never sounded so good. The little shepherd boy never sounded so good as, as this morning. Uh, and no king was as eloquent as you saying those words. And when the king says, fantastic, thank you. Thank you for your commitment to using what God has entrusted to you as a great gift. Thank you, all of you. 
Chris, not, Christopher, not you so much, but I mean, no. If, you know what's amazing about Christopher? Um, any, any keyboard near him becomes six keyboards, a whole orchestra, and, and he and his brother used to do two Steinways and do these amazing concerts. I mean, just amazing. You guys, Janine, all of you, the, the giftedness, the commitment you have and what you do with it. And so this is one of the beautiful things that God is doing is he's saying in the midst of this world, and the, you know, long lay the world in sin and error pining. Pining, we think of pining as, oh, I'm longing, I'm yearning. No, no, no. No, pining is a, is a moral wound word. Pining means I'm in, I'm in decline. I'm failing. I'm fading. I'm not thriving. I'm wasting away. Pining is a word of, oh, dear God, you, you're pining? Is there nothing they can do for you? It's like a flesh-eating disease, only it's a, ser- a serious soul and spirit-eating disease. Pining is not just, oh, I hope he comes. It's, I, I don't know how much longer I have. It might not happen in time. Uh, and in the midst of that, God does this beautiful thing, and part of this is what you guys do. Uh, and all of you in your own way are saying, gosh, what is my commitment to being part of declaring this glorious good news in a world that is you know, laying long, 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 and continues to in sin and error, pining? And there's nothing we can do about it. We do valiant things, well-intentioned things to get it right, to make it right. It doesn't seem to come together. Why? Because we all need forgiveness and atonement that God alone can provide. So the Bible says, uh, Paul writing to the people in Rome, the Christians in Rome, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so what do we do? Just continue pining? No. We, we confess our absolute need for his absolute grace. Uh, we must honestly acknowledge our need for help from God, who alone can help us. If we claim to be without sin, John says in one of his letters, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, is righteous, right? He just doesn't go, oh, it's not that big of a deal. He says, no, it's a serious, mortally dangerous, deadly deal. And, and my justice, my righteousness will prevail. This is not a little band-aid. This is serious, serious surgery. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So God knew we could never get it together without, without his gracious intervention. That's his commitment. It was his initiative. That's what, that's what commitment gets really powerful is when you take the initiative to make commitments that nobody has pressed you into, nobody has guilted you into, nobody has prevailed on you to make a commitment, you've initiated the commitment. You see, at just the right time, Paul says to the Romans, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But... God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He wasn't waiting for us to get our act together, to be worthy. Well, if you get your act together, then then I'll do something for you. It's like, no, you will never get there. It's just always out of reach. And so God himself was willing to suffer and sacrifice himself for us. Why? Well, because he loves us. Does he indulge us? No. 
No. To indulge someone is to not speak the truth to them. We indulge people when we speak the truth, when we don't speak the truth to them. We love people when we speak the truth to them in a way that uh, allows them to connect with reality. And to know that somebody's standing with them in the midst of that reality, that might be very, very scary. So God is unalterably against evil and came to defeat it and destroy it to deliver us. So he didn't come to destroy us. He came to deliver us. And so God is unalterably for us, taking action to save us and restore us to himself. And so Paul, writing to these folks in Turkey, in Galatia, the region of Turkey, says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He wrote that because they were in this moment of equivocation where they saying, well, maybe it's just us being better at being Jews. We've accepted the gospel of Jesus, but maybe we need to go back and be sure we cover all those bases too. He's saying, no, 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 no. He has fulfilled the law. He hasn't discounted the law or demeaned it, disrespected it, discarded it. He said, no, I'm fulfilling it. The law still stands, but I am fulfilling it. And here's how. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live trying to find Christ or something like that. Some solution but now he lives in me. And this life I live in the body, I live in, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Profoundly radical solution. And so Jesus is God's constant, consistent commitment to saving us. And, and so it evokes out of us an amen. Yes, so be it. Thank God. I, I like the way um, Paul says it to the Corinthians in his second letter to them. He says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are a yes in Christ. They are a yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Can you imagine, again, the shepherds in the field, they have this overwhelming <laughs> experience of seeing God appear, an angel, and then also the heavenly host, which means a bunch of scary-looking people. Are they going to go to war, or where are they going? And do I have to go with them? <laughs> but instead, they, they break out in praise of God. And then the angel says, go and see for yourself. And so, you know, they went and they saw it. What did they say? Amen. This is awesome. It's just like they said. So be it. I affirm this. It's a big thumbs up. And so this is why Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. We're inspired by his creativity. And we're saved by his commitment. I hope this moves you to celebrate Jesus' birth with a renewed sense of purpose. Your purpose in this season is not to figure out how to buy the best gifts for everybody on your list. Your purpose is not to impress anybody with the latest, greatest decorations. I have a confession to make. Because our kids will not be coming for Christmas... I, I feel giddy with joy telling you this. We are not getting a Christmas tree. <laughs> we had one small glitch. Uh, our daughter Megan and Nick are coming from the UK to Dallas, but then they, they have to come to LA for a couple of days. They're, they're going to stay with us while then they go to LA. And so we had to find a way to tell Megan we're not getting a Christmas tree. And so 
It's a snowy, perfect Christmas time in Oxford. It's snow's falling down. It's charming. Everything is perfect. And I said, hey, by the way, while you're having this great experience in Oxford, savor it. <laughs> the snow-covered trees. We're not getting a Christmas tree this year. What? 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 I said, how many days, just remind me, how many days are you going to be at our house? Well, we're staying three nights. Right, but how many days will you actually be in place in Loya at our house? Well, one. Ah, there we have it. My point exactly. And then we're all going to go to Dallas and do Christmas in Dallas. And there's a tree so big it would not fit in our house where we're going. A tree to make up for any Charlie Brown tree we would have gotten anyway. So as you celebrate Jesus' birth with a renewed sense of purpose, um, remember uh, that, that really uh, a purpose is all about our commitments, which are also values. So all this stuff is mixed together. Purpose and commitment and values are all part of the same package. Our values reveal our purpose, and that's why we make commitments. To embody, to enact, to apply our values and our purpose. We do that through commitments. Commitments are how you can tell what somebody's values and what their purpose is. How do I know who you are? I watch the commitments you make, and that tells me what your values are and what your sense of purpose is. Pretty, it's pretty slick, isn't it? Everybody becomes Sherlock Holmes at this moment. You start to put the pieces together and go, I've been watching you, and I see the commitments you make, and it tells me all about your values and your purpose. No, I didn't tell you anything about my values and my purpose. My values are, you know, and my purpose, and people paint these massively beautiful, outrageous Rococo pictures, Baroque pictures, uh, detailed to the nth degree about, you know, their values and their purpose. And you say, oh, that's so impressive. I got, I'm cheering up. But would you please tell me about the commitments you are currently fulfilling? Time, talent, treasure. People you care about. And it's crickets. I'm being severely harsh about that, but I'm saying our expressed values and purposes far exceed our commitments. So part of what I guess my goal, my, my focus, my prayer for me in Advent is to say, I wonder what would a better alignment of my values and purpose look like in my commitments? And am I just being compliant in my commitments and I'll do that? Or am I really saying, okay, it's a fresh season. What would this commitment look like in this fresh season, right? I just destroyed all my notes. Okay, it doesn't matter. So purpose makes commitments, and we can get better at making and keeping them. Let me give you an example. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. I won't give you the whole context. It's fascinating. We'll come back to this another time. But the gist of it is this little parable he throws out to them. In Matthew 21, he says, hey, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. And the son said, no. He says, I will not, he answered. But later, he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. I'm on it immediately. Let me get my hat and coat and, you know. But he did not go. And so Jesus asks the question, which of the two did what his father wanted it was a big, hard question, isn't it? Everybody feels like a biblical genius. They go, I know, it was the first son. Exactly. However, they both had issues, right? The, the first one's issue was, no, you can't make me do it. 
okay, I'll go. And the second one is, no, of course I'll go. And then he shines them on. Our commitments will be tested daily. And the requests for our commitments will be never-ending. So part of the challenge is to make some commitments and keep them. Be clear on that. I can't make a commitment to everybody. Not every need is my need to answer. Not every potential ministry is mine to respond to. So I don't want to criticize everybody else's, but I know what mine are. And I, I, it bothers me when somebody would criticize me and say, well, you, how come you don't care about X, Y, and Z? I'm like, well, I do. It's just that I can only make so many commitments. I don't want to be the second son. Commit to everything but do nothing. I, I want to actually say, I don't know about that. And then say, yes, of course, I'll do that. So our commitments will be tested. What's that looking like in your life? How are your commitments being tested? COVID has tested everybody's commitments. Other elements in your life right now might be testing them. What's going on in your marriage, with your kids, at work, uh, in you, in your body? I mean, all the things that, that threaten and undermine our commitments. Uh, add to that, not just that we live in a fallen world. Satan wants you to not fulfill your commitments that you've made to Christ to bless people in his name. Uh, do your commitments need right-sizing at school? Are you mailing it in at school? Are you treating school, taking it for granted? Do you know if you're in school how fortunate you are to be in school? Do you know how many millions of kids are not in school around the world right now? Do you know how many tens and tens of millions of kids whose parents would do anything to get them in a school? They will never be in a school. And the alternatives to they're not being in school are horrific. What these little boys and little girls are channeled into. And I'm not talking about a hundred or a thousand, I'm talking about millions. And just the disruption of COVID, kids not being able to go to school. And so it's so easy for us to take things that we have for granted and not realize this is a precious gift. Well, how about at work? Are you taking that for granted? Uh, how about your marriage? Are you taking that for granted? How about your friendships? Uh, do you need to right-size them all? You can't, if, if, if everything is about school, you're, 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 out of, you're out of whack. If everything is about work, no, I'm on it, man. You don't even know I am so on work. You're overworking. Don't overfunction in one area and underfunction in another. Right-sizing says, what is the appropriate commitment to make to this? It's like the, every dad I know is a guilty dad. I just didn't spend enough time with my kids. I don't spend enough time with my kids. I got to work. I got to do these things. And, of course, when you start thinking about it, you go, wait a minute. That's part of my commitment to my kids. So what I want to figure out is how can I be present to them when, I, when I'm with them? And then how can I be present to the work I do when I'm not with them? And pretty soon you go, I've right-sized things. I don't apologize for that. I spend more time at work. I spent more time at work every day than with my kids when they're little. I mean, because the time I was with them, half the time they were sleeping. And I remember having this conversation with the girls a few years ago. I said, gosh, I wish I could do it over again. I, I just feel like I could have been such a better dad. I had been saying this to Janet all this time, going, I wish I could be a better dad. And every guy I knew I was having these conversations with. Finally, the girls heard me say this, Dad, you're a good dad, which was very moving to me. And I'm like, wow, thank you. He said, seriously, no, I'm, you're, don't ever say that again. You're a good dad. And it's like, whoa, the stories we tell ourselves, right? So right-sizing our commitments isn't just doing more for the sake of doing more. It's saying, what is the appropriate amount of energy and time this requires? What kind of commitment is this? Some commitments you figure, you make a phone call and you, you save somebody's day. Would you mind for calling this? Yeah, sure, you make the call. It took you five minutes and it was massive for that person. Very little effort on your part, but it was a big commitment. Other commitments take a long time and you think, why am I doing this? Why am I standing 
pulling a tether to a donkey that will not get in a trailer. I looked at that young woman, and I kept looking at her. She's smiling, going, you know, like kind of one of these, you know, like, I'm just going to stand here as long as it takes, you know. I'm thinking, that's a commitment. Hey, hey, what'd you do tonight? Was it really fun? Yeah, oh, yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> I held a donkey in a parking lot in front of a trailer for two hours after the two-hour event. And finally, the donkey had to have a cell phone call with the owner, you know. Okay, do your commitments need right-sizing? Doing the right things for the right reasons gives you energizing endurance to prevail. This is one of the wonderful things about a commitment. It energizes you. Even the ones that are hard and you think, why am I doing this? And you get a bit tired and maybe wondering if it even mattered. One of the neat things about a commitment that's in alignment is that when you say, okay, I could quit. I'm going to quit. You don't want to quit. When you're moaning and groaning and finally somebody says, wow, you don't like your job that much? You're that heartbroken in this marriage? Get out of it. No, I'm committed. Just a hard season. We'll get through it, right? This is the energizing endurance we get from making commitments that are aligned with our purpose and our values. So Jesus chose to endure difficult people and the cross to fulfill his commitments. Who are the difficult people in your life? What are the difficult circumstances you're facing? Go easy on yourself. Don't be beating yourself up for not being perfect. You can't undo the past. You can only do something about what comes next. So honor Jesus' birth by making time to review and to realign and to renew your commitments. Let it be part of a meditative devotional time. Lord, I'm writing down these commitments, and what do you want me to do, stop doing, or start doing? Three simple questions. I ask myself these questions all the time. Sometimes I ask them of other people. It's the perfect um, question to ask if you're doing reviews of people that, uh, that you're responsible for helping them in their work. Okay, so can't do 50 things, but one thing you want me to keep doing. One thing you want me to stop doing. One thing you want me to start doing. This is, this is a good devotional exercise, actually. It's what Jesus wants for his birthday, by the way. You want to give Jesus a birthday gift and a Christmas gift are all rolled into one? This is it. Realign, review, renew your commitments. You might be surprised what happens. You might end up saying no to a bunch of things you thought were absolutely essential, and you might say yes to some things you never thought you'd do. Or it just simply might confirm what you're doing. And you say, okay, good. I'm just going to keep doing this. So it's a perfect time to move from uncommitted to committed, from compliant to committed. It's what the Father wants. You, you, you can be somebody's reason for saying amen. You can be God's yes to somebody this Advent. Lord Jesus, I thank you for that amazing gift you've given us, that we can be somebody's yes. It would cause them to say amen to you. Not as a performance or a transaction, but as a gift. So I thank you for the gift you've given us and your commitment to us, built on your creativity expressed in our creation and, uh, and the creation of all things. I pray this to my brothers and sisters here, for each and every one of us, Lord, that we might have a renewed sense of the joy, the privilege of making commitments that honor and glorify you and bless people in your name. We pray all this in Jesus' high and holy name. Amen. Well, this is our time of offering. Uh, we, you can give money anytime in any way, but this is not that kind of offering. This is the kind of offering that says, what's on your heart and your mind and your hands that you want to offer to the Lord? What do you, what do you want him to put in your hands, <laughs> your heart, your head? Uh, before you leave here today. So let's enter into this time of offering 
by worshiping him together. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. This is the night of our dear Savior's Long lay the world in sin and error pining Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn fall on your knees oh hear the angel voices home Christ was born. Oh, night, oh, holy night, oh, night divine. Truly, He taught us to love one another his love is love and his gospel is peace chain shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all a prayer shall cease sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we let all within us praise this holy name Christ is the Lord
Wow, uh, Christmas Eve would be pretty special. Um, out there, uh, four o'clock, uh, candlelit. So we're warming up. We're, we're, we're getting ramped up for that, right? We're, we're working out and uh, preparing ourselves to worship Him on Christmas Eve. In the meantime, uh, make the most of this Advent season. Uh, if you, we can pray for you for anything that concerns you or anybody you're concerned about, go right out after worship and around the corner to the prayer garden, and we'll have uh, somebody there to pray with you. Uh, you don't have to even tell them what you want prayer for. Just simply say, yeah, please pray for me. If you want to tell them, that's fine. They'll pray for you. And then if, if there's anything you haven't done that you, you feel like, hey, I'd love to do something to make Advent special, um, a music, uh, a mu- you know, a music, um, uh, not just a song, but maybe there's an album. Just listen to a whole album. It's easy to do uh, on, your, on your device or, or however. Uh, read a book. Um, journal. I mean, just do some things that will get you engaged with what does this mean to you? Uh, don't just go through Advent, grow through Advent. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face <clears throat> to shine on you and <clears throat> to be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon us all, giving us everything we need to walk in newness and fullness of life with Him, to make commitments that really count, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.